0: You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo dot com. I never. I didn't know my dad uh, growing up in Santa Barbara, California, with my two older sisters. My mom was a welfare mom, and she passed away when I was five years old. And we were, uh, my sisters and I were passed around as part of the. Uh, wards of the court and uh, wards of the state of California. And uh, we went to some foster homes, uh, quite a few actually, including uh, both sets of grandparents, which eventually uh, said no, closed the door uh, on us. And um, a couple of the foster homes were really great, and and a couple of them were not so great. And uh, I don't want to overstate what happened, but uh, probably if it was today, uh, Child Protective Services would have definitely been called and so that's, that's the first part of my life. And then just before I turned eight years old, moved in with a family. Uh, he was a pastor. My dad was a pastor of a little church in Santa Barbara, Hope Bible Church. And my mom, and they had five kids of their own, took my two sisters and me in. And so with eight kids, that's my family to this day. And so I'm so grateful to God for a second uh, chance in life. And uh, not long after moving in with them, I received Jesus as my Savior. Uh, I heard about Him, and I, as much as an eight-year-old could follow Jesus, I walked down that aisle. Two weeks from today, it'll be 55 years. Man, time flies when, <laughs> when you're having fun. Um, but I've never once regretted giving my life to Jesus. I knew That I knew, that I knew, that I wanted to follow him. I got baptized soon after. And uh, we were involved. Uh, Terry was my high school sweetheart. Uh, Our parents were actually best friends. I never would have met her if that hadn't happened to me. And uh, our moms are still best friends uh, to this day. And uh, so through high school, uh, served served the Lord and went in the army and and didn't do so well. So uh, I regret that. I wish that I had done better. I never denied Jesus. But I certainly didn't live for him, and my light was not shining. We got married soon after. We've been married for uh, almost 43 years now. And I have two children, and they're married. We now have four and seven grandchildren. Uh, Both of our kids, all of our kids are serving the Lord. And I just want to tell you that it's worth it to follow Jesus. You'll never regret it. You'll never give it Uh, Regret the decision you made. Uh, You'll never uh, give up when you truly follow him and trust him to be uh, your strength. And and I want to encourage you. I I felt the Lord say during worship that some of you walked into this room, God's here, and you were here. And during the worship time, you went like this. Now, it doesn't mean that you became a Christian for the first time, although some of you may have trusted him with your life just now but many of you came in discouraged kind of going your own way just just this way and then you say god listen i surrender once again i bow my knee yes. you are lord of my life i want to follow you with everything everything that's that's within me amen so let's uh, ask the holy spirit to lead us and guide us as we go through this fourth chapter of romans today god we love you we honor you we don't think we're it We know we're part of it, but we're not it. You are it. God, we thank you for the privilege of being your children. We thank you that you reached out to us before we ever knew who you were. God, we thank you and praise you for every good gift. Lord, I pray that as your word says, your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into truth this morning. We can't understand your word without your power, without your presence working in us. Lord, we trust you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 4. There's quite a bit of reading today, but I've, I've settled this in my heart. I would rather read the Word of God than preach, because uh, you're not going to ever go wrong. My, my, my own ideas might twist the, their way in once in a while, but you won't go wrong with the Word of God. Abraham. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Remember, Paul is writing to the Jewish believers in Rome. What did he discover? And it applies to us, of course. And what did he discover about being made right with God? That's our justification. If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So Abraham didn't have the law. He didn't have the Bible. He didn't have anything except to believe God when God spoke to him and God counted him as righteous because of that. That word can also be translated as credited. Uh, For example, if you um, were renting a house making rent payments month after month, year after year. You decided to buy the house, and the landlord came to you and said, all your rent payments, I'm now going to credit you towards your mortgage. You're going to go, woohoo hoo like this. So Abraham's actions were credited as righteous, and God declared him righteous. And it was because of his faith, not because of his works. It's very clear here. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Have your sins been forgiven and put out of sight? Oh, what joy. I can identify with that, and I certainly thank God for that. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. Let me read that again for us today regarding baptism. Baptism is a sign that we already have faith and that God has already accepted us and declared us to be righteous even before we are baptized. Baptism doesn't save us, but it's an outward sign of something that's taken place in here. And it was the same for the Jewish people. Um, So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith, but have not been circumcised. He's speaking about us, speaking about Gentiles. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but... Only if they have the same kind of faith that Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is also the father of all who believe. This is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. I love that. I love to study apologetics. I'm reading a book right now. And it's, it's called stealing from God. Because people who are atheists, they have three main arguments. or There's three main arguments to prove the existence of God. And, and uh, now atheists have come up with three counterpoints to those three proofs. However, to counter those, they're using arguments that people who believe in God would make. So they're making a theist argument to prove their atheist agreement. And so I love this kind of stuff. Anyway, so... Anyway, Abraham must I mean uh, Paul must have too here. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. This is the point. So the next couple of verses here of my talk this morning we're going to key in on. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb, Abraham never wavered. I love that. In believing God's promise, in fact his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory To God. We were created to bring glory to Almighty God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. What a powerful chapter that is. I love that. A couple weeks ago, no, three weeks ago, I preached in my son's church in Houston. And my son was out of town, and the week before, my friend Tom Tapping, who's about the same age as me, preached. So Brian asked both of us, I want you to preach a series, mini-series two weeks long called Old Guy's Rule. So, anyway... Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> That's where I saw these verses. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. My prayer is that each one of you who've said yes to Jesus will never waver. Sure, we get hit. Sure, we get attacked from time to time. But we always get ourselves back up. If we're in the grace of God, it's like living your life on an up escalator. Even though you're knocked down, you're still going to be carried up uh, by His grace. So... um, I love the fact that we have life in Christ. And I love the fact that he came to give us abundant life. John 10.10. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's speaking about false teachers there. He said, but I came that you might have life and that, that you might have it more abundantly or real life, authentic life. One of my favorite cartoon characters... Is um, Oh, by the way, Luke and Tanya I'm so glad you guys are here With little Jackson Jackson. First time West Sider, brand newest West Sider (laughs) A week ago, Tanya was having the baby And now the baby is here And so, and Tanya had a little bit of a tough time But here she is, and so praise God Um, Charlie Brown, my favorite cartoon Okay, you guys, some of you guys know this We're going to go through, we're going to read a Sunday comic strip here, okay? Charlie Brown and Lucy are walking along, and Lucy says, I can't think of that word. There's one certain word that describes your personality, Charlie Brown, but I just can't think of what it is. Charlie Brown goes, blah. That's what he always says, blah, like this. That's it, Lucy shouts, bowling Charlie over. Charlie goes out to tell Lucy, Look, you don't have to tell me I'm blah. I know I'm blah. Lucy responds, Well then, there's still hope for you, Charlie Brown. If you recognize this in yourself, then that's the first step up from Blodom. Charlie asks, Blahdom? And then he despairs. How can anyone ever like someone as blah as I am? Lucy says, please don't despair, Charlie Brown. Maybe there's a girl somewhere in the world that's just as blah as you. And maybe you'll marry her. And maybe you'll raise a whole flock of blah kids. And maybe they'll go out and marry some other blah kids. And in the last frame, Charlie runs away screaming, ah, like this. (laughs) Blahdom. Nobody wants to be blah, and nobody wants to live a blah life. That's not the kind of life that Jesus died for. And it's especially sad to see believers who are blah and live a blah life. Believers who have trusted Jesus for their salvation. Believers who are forgiven, who are set free, and they sort of exist in a Christian blahdom. I don't want to be there. I don't think you want to be there. We want to live the life that Jesus died for. On the way back from Florida with our two grandsons last month, we were on the way on vacation for a couple of weeks. We took them to Orlando, and on there, two days there from Houston, two days back from Houston, you, you, they watched a lot of movies. You know, uh, we rented a minivan that had a you know pull down DVD player. So on the way home, they're going, okay, today we're going to watch What About Bob three times. We're going to watch uh, Hobbit twice. We're going to watch National Treasure, and and we're going to watch Wally. You know, so I've never seen the movie Wally, but I've listened to it three or four times. <laughs> So, and in the movie WALL-E, there's a captain who I still don't know what he looks like. Uh, But he says, makes this statement, and it stuck out to me each time I heard it. He said, I don't want to just survive. I want to live. That's the cry of the human heart, because God, who is the author of life, put that in you stamped His image on you to make a difference in your sphere of influence, to impact this world, to be a light for for His glory and for His honor. Each, Each one of us has that desire, and each one of us has that desire in a different way because God's gifted us differently. He's given us different passions, different abilities, and He's created each one of us to make our mark here on this earth in representing Him, representing His goodness and His glory, and that certainly is not blah. It's not in Philippians chapter three. I'm thankful for agreements from the back. (laughs) I've I've told Terry that I'd love this on my tombstone someday. But when I found out that it takes seven dollars and fifty cents or whatever to carve each letter, it probably would be too expensive. This is out of Philippians chapter three. Paul says this at the uh, near the end of his life. He's he's in jail and he's gonna die pretty soon and ultimately they cut his head off and here's what he he says in Philippians chapter 3 I once thought these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done he's talking about his his uh, pedigree his background if he was alive today he'd probably have three or four doctorate degrees Uh, he he knew what he was talking about but he said that is meaningless compared to what jesus has done for me and that's the gospel that's the good news that jesus came out of eternity into time and space lived a perfect sinless life then died as the perfect sacrifice for us for you for me and then as he was buried and rose again on the third day and now he's coming back for us this is the good news that we can be made right with god because of what jesus has done stay tuned next week chapter five Yet, yeah. therefore, since we have been made right with God and in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. That's coming up next week. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet. But I focus on this one thing. This is our sermon this morning. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Here's a a question for all of us. Can I reach the end of my race and still bring glory and honor to God with my life till my last breath? Can we do that? Can we live like Abraham who lived a life without wavering? Paul says, I press on. So how did he do that? Number one, he said we focus on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Now to focus on Jesus, it takes us it requires us to be all in. Because in our culture, there's a whole lot of distraction. We get bombarded with thousands of images every single day, whether it's on online or on billboards or in magazines or TV or or whatever it is. People walking by with logos on their shirts and, and you just get All these distractions, there's people constantly vying for our attention, whether it's work or family or or, or whatever it is. We are really held hostage by distractions. So it's extra effort to focus in on this one thing. Just like Curly said, it's one thing. Focus in on Jesus. So um, all in is a big deal. I've played a little bit of poker in my life for fun. And when you shove all those fake chips in, they don't really mean anything. But you put them in the middle. You're all in. That means there's no going back. Well, I'm not a very good poker player. Because I know that I can, I can pay my five bucks and get another load of chips right here. If you know what I mean. So I'm really not all in. It's not, it's not affecting me in any way. What Jesus wants from us is all. All in. Everything in. Everything for him and for his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Here's a, here's a couple of tests to see if you're all in. Take a look at your calendar and take a look at your checkbook. Now, most people under 40 go, checkbook? I don't know what that is anymore. Well, however you keep record of your finances. Go back and see, is my time his or is it all about me? Is my money his, or is it all about me? Are my resources, my strengths, my gifts, my talents, my ability? is it all about me and building up my kingdom, or am I living uh, for eternity? Am I living for his glory? Uh, the calendar Paul says in ephesians five look carefully how you walk, not as unwise uh, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Are the days evil? Yes. Are they getting more evil all the time? Yes. Do we need to be thrown by news reports and elections and things like that? As believers in Christ, we are here for His glory. We are apart. Yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're here to live for His kingdom. We're not to be thrown by these things. But it requires an all-in mindset. And as far as our check register, t- uh, Paul says to Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I'm so glad that our money in this country still says in God we trust. Just to pray, pray with that, every time you see that and agree with that, that our trust is in God, not in us. Uh, not in anything we can do, but in Almighty God. So all in actually is all in or nothing. There's really no middle ground. And Jesus makes it very clear to the church in Laodicea when he writes this letter to them. Write this letter to the church, angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. We've heard that before. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. In other words, you make me sick. That's harsh, but it's true. You see, if we're hot for Him, that's great. If we're cold for Him, we can turn to Him. But if we're lukewarm, saying that we're hot, and we're living a ba life, where people are looking at us, and from every direction and saying that's what a Christian is you're actually doing more harm than you're doing good Jesus said I'd rather you were this just say you're not over here but don't do this middle thing because that's destructive and it doesn't represent me well and actually makes me sick that's a very big chunk of truth from Jesus I, I encourage all of us to take a look at our life and say am I living the life that Jesus died for is, is, is the life I'm living worth what Jesus died for? And so that's the question we have here. And Paul says, uh, first of all, he said there, uh, we focus on one thing, Jesus. And how do we do that? We don't look back. We don't look backwards. Um, there's a whole lot of people around that had a, a life way worse than mine. But like I said, that's, that's my story. It's the story that I have. I was standing right in this spot several years ago. And just before I got up to preach, I don't remember what service it was at, I felt the Lord whisper to me. I've never heard the audible voice of, of God. I've talked to people in this room right now that have heard the audible voice of God. That's amazing. But I just always hear the Lord in my thoughts. And uh, I felt the Lord very clearly say to me, if your mom hadn't died when you were five and all that happened to you after never took place, what you see before you would not be here. I don't know how that affects you, but it affected me. Where you come to the point in your life where you say thanks God for my life it's worth it Mm -hmm. whatever I go through if that helps somebody else I'm happy to do it because you did way more for me and you allowed me to be here and to worship you with my life and to praise you I want to encourage you too many people Too many people live their life. Here's the way we should be going. Too many people live their life looking backwards. Their past regrets. Living in their victimhood. Maybe even their their past successes. But they're always looking backwards. Paul said, I can't do anything about that. And if anything back there was good, it's because of him. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus the author and the finisher of my faith. We can't change the past. So don't look back. If you mess up and sin, admit it, quit it, and ask Him for the strength to go on. Jesus already paid for that sin anyway. Really. Nobody wants to live A blah life. That's not the kind of life that Jesus died for. He came to give us real life. And we keep looking forward, number three. Not looking forward to what the world says. The world says this. The world says, work as hard as you can for 35 years and then live as selfishly as you can for the last 20 That's not what Jesus died for. It's not what Jesus died for. He died to give us real life. Now, how do we look forward? He tells us two ways. Number one is to press on. Persevere. Why do we need to persevere? You know, when I say persevering, I see a windstorm and snow coming and somebody pushing through. Why do we have to persevere? Because we're going to get hit from time to time. We're going to get knocked down. But we get up and we keep moving. We keep our eyes on Jesus. It might not look like you're gaining ground, but you are. I don't know if you've ever been on a big lake in a small boat. But I always picture where we go to the men's and women's retreats up in Tahoe and you look out at the window over there at Emerald Bay on the other side, getting a little rowboat with two, two horsepower mo- more like this, and you're getting out there. And when you're in the middle of the lake, it doesn't look like you're making progress. like this, and the scenery doesn't change much. That's where we are living right now. We started, and we're going to finish. Right now it seems like not much is happening, but it is. You're making progress. And someday, some of us more than others, the shore is getting a lot closer on the other side. We press on. We do that by guarding our hearts by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted you. Entrusted to you. God's given you gifts. Whatever He's given you, kids and a job and a family and background, some successes, some failures, some some joys, some pain, all those things, God gave that to you. He's entrusted you with a story. And that makes you who you are. And you can reach people that I could never reach. And you can love on people in a way that I never could. But each of us uses our gift to serve others so that God gets the glory. And then number two, he says, uh, first he says, press on. But he says, to reach the end. He's called us to finish the race. Jesus said, it is finished. He did what God had called him to do. I'm not going to give up. We've got to tell ourselves, in Jesus, by your strength, oh God, I'm not going to give up. Yes, it's hard. Yes, my mortgage is due on Friday. Yes, my teenager is this. Yes, my friend, sister is this way. And, and all these struggles that we have, my boss signs my paycheck, but it's still, uh, no, wait a minute, let me get that phrase right. Um, God is my source, but the devil signs my paycheck. Okay, so there you go. That's your boss. So anyway, that might be where some people are. But we press on to reach the end. Uh, Most of you know, a couple years ago, I ran a marathon. And most of you know that I'm not really cut out to be a marathon runner. I just did it because I'm either stubborn or something. But I finished the race. But you know what? During the 799 miles of training, do you know what kept me going? Was that in my head, I knew that I would be at the starting line because my son and my daughter both said they would train with me and run with me. So there, on that December cold morning, 22 degrees, in shorts, I had a cap on, it's my winter clothes, and uh, there, that, that was what I looked forward to, that was the prize, because I knew if I could get to the starting point, I'd finish this race, come hell or high water, I know that I'd train, I'm going to finish this race, I knew that if I got to this point, I could do it. And our prize is Jesus. What do we keep our eyes on? Our eyes is not on a retirement. Our eyes is not on some big vacation we have coming up. Yes, those things are part of life, and yes, those things are fun, but our eyes are on Jesus. He's the end of the race. He's the end of the race. And He's the one we look to and look forward to. Galatians 6 Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I want to encourage you. Focus on one thing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Quit living in the past. Keep looking forward and looking forward to finish the race. And I want to say this. All of you still have a race to finish. Not one of you is finished. You have a race that God called you to finish. Ask Him for the help and the strength to finish well and not give up. I love this reference that Paul gives us. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but the only, pers- only one person gets the prize? So run to win. You know what? How, you know how many people are in your race? You. And you know how you win? Is you finish. And you'll win. If you finish the race God has for you, you win. Paul says to you and to me, run to win. Yeah. Don't run to stop. Run to win and finish this race. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal price. So I run with purpose in every step. I want to encourage you today. Run with purpose in every step. That will be the life that Jesus died for. And it won't be blah. It won't be ho-hum. It will be the abundant life, the real life that Jesus came for. Father, thanks for this word. Thank you for this strong exhortation from Paul to run this race, to finish this race well. Well, And like Abraham, God, I pray that we would be a people that would continue this race that you have before us without wavering. God, we can only do that in your strength. We can't do it in our own. We depend upon you, God, for strength, for vision, for strategy, for the next step. God, we depend upon you for it all. We love you, God. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band gets ready, we're going to finish our service here. And if you're newer to Westside, we have a table at the back and two at the front. And they have offering baskets and they have communion the elements for communion on there. The communion we have here, we, we encourage everyone who's part of Westside and, and people who are here who love Jesus, who are Christians, <coughs> to do what Jesus said. He said as often as you will, remember me. And this life that we have, this forgiveness that we have, the freedom that we have is because we've been set free. And Jesus has redeemed us and purchased us back. And he said, if you will, as often as you will, will you remember me? I encourage you around the Thanksgiving table this week, would you remember him too? Maybe start out your Thanksgiving dinner together with family and friends and remember that we're there because of what Jesus did. Celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And uh, so if you're a believer, you're welcome to participate in communion here. And also our offering baskets are on those tables. They're not connected. You don't have to put something in the offering to take communion. They're just on the same table. But we believe that our offerings and our our tithes and offering is, is not under law, but under the grace of New Testament giving, where we say, God, everything we have, everything we are, everything we hope to be belongs to you. And so I want to encourage you as part of your worship, part of your worship to God, uh, to give back uh, to Him financially. That represents our time, represents our sweat, it represents our life, and we're offering that to God as, as worship. Let's stand together as we sing this song.